Welcome to the Two Wealth Show, a show that shares how you can create real wealth for you and your family. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Bogard, and my co-host is Elizabeth Sickles, a.k.a. Super E. I am a real estate note investor specializing in performing residential real estate debt. I find the deals, acquire them for my own portfolio, as well as educate investors while walking them through the process of owning a real estate note. My co-host, Super E, a real estate investor, specializing in short-term rentals and the management of them. She connects investors with short-term tenants and manages everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Bright Path Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. You can find out more information by visiting our websites at brightpathnotes.com and elizabethmayora.com. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 15. And I'm Justin Bogard of the uh, Two Wealth Show. And I'm Elizabeth Sickles. Elizabeth, you are obviously not in your office right now. I am not. It is 4-H fair time. And my nephew showed pigs today. So they showed pigs. Okay, cool. So what's that like? Um, well, they did not have, which we do this, they did not have... Um, championship pigs by any means so my one nephew placed four fourth out of six and my other one placed um, fifth out of six okay so i assume that they have these pigs on their farm at home and they like raise them and then the judges have some sort of criteria and they they judge the pig on it right that's correct okay there's also showmanship involved so how does the kid interact with the animal and yes there's a lot a lot to it very cool. I've never been to a 4-H uh, show like that before, but definitely heard a lot of people talk about it. And it sounds fun because everyone has a different animal, I guess, that they show and they do similar things to it. Or is it just like pig category and like cow? And Oh, there's all okay. all kinds, especially with cattle. You've got steers and heifers and Jersey, and then you have the different breeds. And so much more complicated than, than just cows or pigs. <laughs> okay. See that that's my ignorance. I don't I don't know enough about it to talk intelligently. So <laughs> <laughs> And you know, and it ties in with real estate because we have okay. the farm prices that continue to increase, right? God's not making any more land. It's true. And with um with farming now we've got droughts in a couple of different states. So some of the commodity prices, the the commodity prices are all all over the board right now, um, but I expect those to to go up at, if the droughts continue. Okay, well, well, we're from Indianapolis. We've been fortunate enough to have a pretty wet July so far. So it looks like the crops where I live in our area, everything's nice and green and tall and and looks really healthy. Uh, versus you know last year, I think it was in Indianapolis, we had pretty dry. Pretty dry weather, pretty dry uh, week, couple weeks spans to where I think some of our crops uh, had to be reseeded a couple times during the course of last year. Yes, we're in a much better position this year. Yeah. So what? Uh, let's start off the conversation today and talk about um, inflation. It is rising. So the number <laughs> just came out last week. Uh, we've got the largest inflation. And oh, I forget how many years now, um, but overall inflation's at 5%, um, which what that means is our money doesn't go as far as what what we're used to going. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so an example that even if, you know, we're not, even if you're not into doing real estate yet, if you're looking at real estate, I got noticed when I logged into Amazon the other day that some of our products, one of the smoke detectors, combo carbon monoxide detectors that we use went up 26%. Wow. Another product went up 25%. We had one product that we use a lot that decreased in price, and that was a 1% decrease in price, but everything else was increased. Okay. So not that you're an economist or I'm an economist, but what do you think caused the rise of inflation to be not just, you know, we've heard about lumber and we've heard about obviously real estate appreciating. Um, So these other let's say ancillary things uh, that are happening that are commodities that we get for, especially let's talk about your business, the the cleaning business and then the short-term rental management business. Um, there are a lot of little small house items that you need to get. Um, I'm assuming on a daily basis for the properties that you manage. So is it just, is it just, you think because uh, we have uh, an employment issue as far as we don't have a lot of workers that are accepting jobs right now? I think it's a combo of printing money because money's not free. And mm-hmm. then also the fact that we have to <clears throat> excuse me, continue to raise prices because, you know, I think what maybe people don't understand is when prices, if, if people aren't working, we have to have somebody to work and to incentivize them to work to pay more. So, um, so I actually, I've had to raise cleaning rates because I'm, I've, I've been struggling finding people that want to work. And then if you do find somebody to work to um, continue on with what you started with is that you have to give them such a, a high benefit, meaning their, their uh, hourly wages to incentivize them to choose you over maybe a different place to be their employment. Right. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And even like tomorrow, I'm introducing, I already do bonuses. Tomorrow, I'm doing, introducing another incentive plan um, for the cleaning team. So, and mm-hmm. what that means is if, is if it costs me or if, if, if it costs me money as a business owner, that, that gets passed right on to the consumer. Right. For anything, it's always a consumer that's paying for it. Right. Because the, the business owner couldn't sustain um, to pay their employees much more and not be able to raise their prices. Otherwise they would start to become in a negative cash flow, or, you know, their financials would be in, in the negative numbers and then they would go out of business. Right. So it kind of makes sense. So there's, there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on with the, uh, the, we'll say the, the na- national economy as it re- relates to uh, unemployment and unemployment benefits right now. So I believe, Elizabeth, unless this has changed, I believe September timeframe is is when these unemployment um, checks, I believe, are going to stop coming through because of the COVID-19 uh, related issues in 2020. Is that your understanding as well? Yes. And it cannot get here soon enough. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think it, the folks voting in continuing this unemployment, they do not run businesses. They're not trying to find employees. Yeah. It's, it's difficult on both sides because I'm sure there's people that desperately need that money and they just have a hardship or a situation that was just unavoidable. And those are the folks that obviously deserve to get the money and, and should be first in line. And then there's folks that could choose to do something to benefit their families, but you know, they, they chose to go down a different path. 
which, you know, I guess at, at the end of the day, if someone can make X amount of dollars uh, per week and not do anything and make a little bit lower than what that X number is and work uh, full time during the week, I mean, I, I can see that decision uh, going very easily in one direction, uh, you know, if one were in that position. So it's it's just an interesting dynamic uh, that, that we're in right now. And, and like you said, I, I agree. I hope it does uh, end soon. And it seems like I don't know of any business not looking for help right now. So I got us. I got to imagine our job growth is, is going to skyrocket once the checks stop being printed for unemployment. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you can go to any state. I was just in Florida. Every every place you have out has, um, you know, help wanted, hiring now. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even um, like the Pizza Hut where my UPS box is, they're paying 17 to $20 an hour. I mean, that's for delivery. That's That's crazy, not including tip. It's, it's interesting. I know we're kind of getting off real estate subject temporarily here, but I think it'll be interesting to note that those that chose to get a job as opposed to not taking unemployment, um, if they got a higher salary because they chose to get an employment today versus employment in the future, those that try to get employment in the future after the checks go through, do you think they're going to get wages that are as high as the people that chose to get the employment during this uh, economic time? And then will they be grandfathered in the ones that did like, it's going to be interesting. And then there's, there's going to possibly be some resentment. So I can see some, some of this kind of uh, dovetailing into a, just a very interesting dynamic going into the future for employment. And, you know, it all, everything works together, right? So how this ties into real estate is when you go to Lowe's and if they've got the help wanted sign out there, they're going to have to raise prices to get Mm -hmm. more people to work there, which raises our costs, you know, to do whatever we're doing in real estate. Yeah. So I think we can both agree. It's just an interesting dynamic. And unfortunately, we don't have a crystal ball to see what's going to happen. So one thing we can do is absorb as much cost as we can stand. And then obviously you have to pass along some of that right, that increase uh, in your material costs or your, you know, and then for your services as well. So I, I totally get it. I, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's um, very interesting. Switch switching gears on a, on a slightly different topic. We wanted to give an update on, kind of how the forbearances in the mortgage industry is looking right now. And the national delinquency rate, Elizabeth, is actually back down to under 5%, which is a very strong indicator to that things are getting back to normal. Uh, we still have a lot of seriously delinquent loans because the forbearances that were entered in about 18 months ago still haven't expired yet. So we're, we're yet to see everybody go through the forbearance uh, moratoria or moratorium to see what is actually going to be delinquent loan volume versus uh, performing loan volume. And as we got into COVID and the total forbearances is, is you can argue it's in between eight to nine million that folks that were able to take advantage of the forbearance uh, rules let's just say for those mortgages that are, you know, FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, 
Jenny May, you know, the big portfolio loans, the, the big securities from the big banks, uh, all those loans, let's just call it about 60 million of those. Um, that's the data that we're looking at. And there's a whole other set of data, Elizabeth, and we'll say another 50 to 60 million that is just, um, you know, not part of that data set because it's more of these mom and pop sellers. Uh, I'm just throwing that number out there. I, I could be way off, but it's just a set number. We can call it, you know, 10 million, 20 million, wh what have you. We'll call that kind of shadow inventory because we don't know how to track that as well because it's not regulated through the normal bodies, you know, like government sponsored loans. That's easier to track. So what we've seen, Elizabeth, in that data set of the eight to nine million forbearances, we've seen about 64% of those come out of forbearance in a positive direction, meaning the wow. loan got paid off or it got reperforming at some point. So the home, and we've harped on this a lot, the home appreciation factor from uh, to end of 2019 all the way through 2020 to 2021 has, has saved a lot of people from being underwater, potentially underwater on their mortgage. So those that saw themselves not being able to pay their mortgage, they could simply go out and refinance, right? With a lower rate possibly, and they'll get the debt paid off because their home appreciation went up a lot in value. So they had that what we call tappable equity. So that's how a lot of these, so 18% of that data set that I talked about, the eight to 9 million got paid off early because basically they're able to sell their house for a heck of a lot more than what they have into it. Even if they were behind on payments, they're still not really underwater because they, they got so much equity in from this rise of home price appreciation, which is, which is pretty neat. So it's a completely opposite scenario of what happened in 2009, 2010, where real estate dropped out of the market and then everyone's mortgage pretty much went underwater, uh, you know, kind of overnight that was, that had very little skin in the game, meaning like maybe they had 5% equity, 10% equity in their house. So it's just really interesting right now. So it's a very positive sign going forward that a lot of these forbearances are going to come out and just be reperforming, or they're going to be paid off or some way, shape or form in a positive direction. Now there is going to be a sliver of that. We'll just call it you know, 600,000 to a million that'll probably be delinquent and that may not be able to go through loss mitigation and get caught back up or, or be reperforming or have some sort of, um, uh, you know, extended forbearance on those loans. So that data set will be interesting and that'll, that'll flush a new wave of non-performing loans through the pipeline. Now, what's also interesting to note, and we'll find out here in the future is if the non-performing inventory, is it all going to flush at once or is it going to be a steady stream of non-performing loans that go through this process through foreclosure throughout the next 18 to 24 months? That'll, that'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be the latter of the two. Well, it'll be a slower stream as opposed to hitting it all at once, because from what I'm hearing on our side of things, and then, you know, our guest, uh, Alex Kulsevsky, that we interviewed a, a few episodes ago, you know, he confirmed that a lot of these big banks are, are trading some of their paper because they're not able to handle all the loss mitigation that they want to with their, with their mortgages that they are servicing. And so that would make sense to me that they're trying to piece that off. And, and everyone realizes it's really best to work with the borrower and try to figure out how to get them to reperform as opposed to just going straight through foreclosure because there's, you know, time and there's money involved. And then there's just, um, you don't want to really hold that mortgage if it's delinquent, if you don't have to, unless you're investing in it on purpose. 
That's very interesting. Yeah. You know, and just how different it is, Justin, from 2008, 2009, because I was in Detroit at that time. So we really got hit hard because automotive took a huge tank. You know, they had a, a huge bailout. Um, and I'll never forget a conversation I had with my neighbor saying, there is no way I would invest in real estate. And I mean, that was that was the best time to invest in real right. estate. Yeah, um, it, it's funny. It's funny what you don't know when you're ignorant to a subject matter. It, it's so funny. Like when we were talking about how, you know, I was ignorant to the 4-H process and I, I have no idea what, what goes on, how much passion you can have into it and, and how fun and neat it is. And same thing like like you ran to in real estate. And I would I would have thought the same thing when I was going through 2008-2009 is I don't know why would I why would anybody get in real estate, but you don't know what you don't know. And then once you know what you didn't know, then the, your whole world can change and you can uh, you can benefit from any economic cycle at any economic time. And especially being in real estate, everything is cyclical. And so just because you don't want to be a one one stop or one trick pony, I should say. And so especially in the note space, there's a lot of different ways that you can you can adapt and adjust and invest in notes, just like in traditional real estate, you know, outside of the note business, too. It's, it's just so interesting and it's so fun to see the opportunities that you can. Number one, obviously, you and I both agree we want to help somebody out. Right. How cool is it to help somebody out, especially the one that lives in the house or the investor that's investing in the property? to benefit somebody else, you know, like short-term vacation rentals. I mean, those are obviously the the biggest boom right now. And correct me if I'm wrong, is the vacation rental space because everybody's just wanting to escape from their, <laughs> their confined space that they've been in for, you know, a year. Uh, and, I, and I'm one of the customers as well. I mean, we, as soon as we could, and then school was out, we just, we went right to a vacation rental and, and, you know, had our time at the beach and stuff. And, and we're doing a couple more, over the summer uh, this year as well. So that's great. And I'll tell you our um, gross nightly, this includes cleaning, but from just on one of the platforms that we're on from January to this month, we are doing um, over three times what we did in January. Holy cow. This, this is going to be our best month ever. Um, so <laughs> People well, want to come of, to Indy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the law of averages kind of will play into this, right? Because we had kind of a uh, vacation rental drought, we should say, for an extended mm -hmm. period of time. And I don't, don't recall exactly what uh, month time frame that was, the drought, you know, your business and, and where you're at versus other people's uh, business and where they're at. But you've got to, we're making up for lost time, right? So hopefully we'll get back to what normal is to where, you know, what you saw in losses and was a scary times is going to be, is going to be made up for now because you held things together and you, and you survived and you got through some rough times uh, and, and folks like you, um, you know, so it's really cool to see that. So I, I really believe in the law of averages, just like in the financial crisis of 2009, 2008, you know, real estate prices dropped but you'd be a fool if you didn't know that real estate prices were going to eventually go back up. Right. And so that's just, you know, life has shown us that a, a real estate's always going to appreciate, you know, two, three, 4%, you know, year over year, uh, even though some years may be 25% and some years may be negative 10%. Everything's going to average out in the long span of things, just like the stock market in general, 
you know, it's all, you're going to have severe ups and severe downs, but then that steady curve, that steady graph is just going to show you that linear line going, you know, whatever that return is, let's just say five, 6% return. And, you know, if for our listeners and our viewers that, you know, maybe you like the mainstream media and, you know, you hear all these fear stories all the time and how everything's, you know, going to heck in a handbasket. But it's always important to remember that there's always opportunity. So when you know what's going on and you know what's behind it, just like Justin sharing the forbearance and where we are with that, you can plan for it and you can invest so that you can make whatever goals you need to make. There's always, always opportunity. Right. So, Elizabeth, kind of, kind of switching topics for maybe the last part of our conversation here. So, you were talking to me offline about uh, sheds, and I kind of want you to get into how we started this conversation, if you don't mind. Sure. So, I was at a conference last month in. Tennessee and one of the other attendees is from Louisiana and what they're doing down there because rents, you know, they do, they actually have workers down there, um, but rents have gone up so high and they don't have enough housing that they are using sheds. So if you think about Menards or Lowe's, the tool shed, not even tool sheds, just the garden sheds that you see outside, they're um, making those little efficiencies. So they'll put in a little kitchen and then a bed and they're renting those out. So they're doing these whole little communities on the outskirts of towns. Um, so it's a great opportunity for real estate investors, whether you want to be the the landlord, if you want to finance one, you know, if you want to be the note holder, you know, with Justin's business, or even if you want a short-term rental them as well. But that's a that's something going on at least in Louisiana. That's that's pretty interesting. It when you say that immediately, obviously, I think of the tiny houses and like I think they had an HGTV show about tiny houses and how people would turn, you know, smaller buildings into, um, you know, their dwelling place. I imagine the shed's probably going to be a little bit tighter space, but, um, you know, it's almost I picture it almost the size of like a college dorm, mm-hmm. you know, so where maybe the ceilings are going to be taller than, than normal because, you know, a shed's vaulted. Right. And I can I can see these being pretty pretty interesting. So um, I, I want to look this up after we get off of our recording here and just see what some of these are because uh, you know it's it's just interesting how somebody is creative enough to figure out how to make that space a livable space, and then mm-hmm. someone's always going to be creative enough to figure out how to monetize on that space or to make a business out of it. That's right, and you know if you think about it, it's quick housing. Mm-hmm. It's inexpensive. You know, it's, I think it's a great idea. So especially for, you know, and I don't know what type of price point they're using, but you have people that need price points at, at high and low. So why not fill that void? Right. And you can imagine a typical parcel or typical lot is usually, you know, a rectangle size, let's say like 120 by 80. And so you might be able to fit three or four of these on like one parcel if you wanted to, if you had a cluster of land and you would make, like you said, a community out of it and you can have like, you know, an A and B apartment or B and C or what have you. And, and I, you could get a lot of uh, people to fit in there if you, if that's the avenue you want to go down, or you can buy a piece of land, have more land with a smaller house footprint to where you have more yard space as well. So it's really, it's really interesting. 
So I'll have to look into that a little bit more, but uh, you know, it sounds like a cool thing that if you could put it on a trailer and pull it behind your vehicle, it could be like, you know, a, a, a different version of a camper, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got to love the U S right. We can make anything happen. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, Elizabeth, do you have any closing thoughts for today's episode number 15? No, I think it's just, you know, ending on the sheds, um, you know, just always keeping an open mind. There's a solution and it it might be sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> That's right. So next time you, you drive by a shed for our listener here, um, think about if somebody's actually got their kitchenette in there and their bed in there. So That's right. <laughs> It may be a great place to, to, to put like a guest house for your, you know, your student that goes off to college. So when they come back, they got like their own space they can mess up. Right. That's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Send your teenagers out there. <laughs> right. Yeah. You go out there and mess that place up. Don't come into our house anymore. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly All right, Elizabeth. Um, I'm Justin Bogard for the listener uh, with Bright Path Notes. Don't forget to check out our YouTube pages. Our, I'm sorry, our YouTube channels, the Bright Path Notes YouTube channel, and Elizabeth Mayora's YouTube channel as well to catch the video stream of this podcast that we're doing right now. So, Elizabeth, as my mentor would say, I'm out of soap. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We will see you or uh, chat with you the next time. Bye. Bye. Two Wealth Show is produced by Justin Bogart and Super E, sponsored by Bright Path Notes and Elizabeth Mayora. Thanks for listening and watching for our show. 